1: Two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East and this, this is the Sunday Show. In today's episode, we learn about bias from rats, we find out how to create a perfect dating profile according to science, and we hear about the UK's first psychedelic-assisted therapy clinic. But first, it was on this day in 1969 that Woodstock Festival opened in Bethel, New York, on Max Yasger's dairy farm. 52 years later, the same substances that fueled the rock and roll back then are now being used in assisted psychotherapy. Seven. One of the timeless questions is what makes us human? Is it our use of tools, our social groups, or perhaps even our ability to feel empathy? Philosophers and scientists alike have long debated whether empathy is a unique human ability. But now new research is suggesting it's actually something that exists widely, particularly in social mammals like rats. A decade ago, scientists discovered that lab rats will rescue a fellow rat in distress, but not a rat they consider an outsider. And now researchers from the University of California at Berkeley and the University of Tel Aviv have studied lab rats in more detail to pinpoint the brain regions empathy stems from.
0: I'm Inbal Bartal. I'm a neuroscientist at Tel Aviv University. I'm interested in understanding how the brain responds to others' distress and why do we care about certain individuals but not others.
1: Along with Daniela Kaufer from UC Berkeley, for the past decade, Imbal has studied rats to answer these questions.
0: It turns out that rats really care when they see a trapped cage mate in distress. But rats don't seem to be motivated to help members of other social groups. How'd you see this in the lab? We can map out activity in the rats' brains as they are doing this helping test. And we found remarkably similar activity to the type that we see in humans when they feel empathy. Only when rats saw a trapped rat of their own social group, they activated the brain's reward system, and only then did the, those rats get helped. The same system is active in people when they donate money or social resources to others and could be part of why helping feels inherently good. Why do you think that's the case? This is probably because doing things for others in your group was evolutionarily adaptive and improved group survival. These common neural mechanisms for prosocial behavior suggest that our responses are based on mammalian biological mechanisms. And by understanding those, we can arrive at new strategies for increasing prosocial behavior. For instance, our results may suggest that increasing a sense of common identity would be a better strategy for promoting someone to help than, say, showing them how much an individual is suffering. So what are the next
1: steps in terms of research?
0: Now in the lab, we're trying to see if we can get rats to care about rats from other social groups by manipulating their brain's activity in those specific regions that we suspect are involved in empathic helping response.
1: Named for its scenic landscapes and vast wildlife preserves, Kenya is an East African gem. In the west of the country lies Lake Victoria, Africa's largest lake, but if you were to look down into the water, don't expect to see your reflection looking back. Instead, you'd be greeted by a shiny, deep green carpet of foliage. What you'd be seeing are water hyacinths. They're an invasive plant species that's wreaking havoc on local communities, but a Kenyan entrepreneur is now turning the problem plant into
2: something much more useful. Hi, my name is Dominic Wenji here at Kahumbu. I am an entrepreneur and a renewable energy uh, practitioner.
1: Fumes from burning wood and charcoal for traditional stoves kill 15,000 a year, but Dominic has created a machine that turns the water hyacinths into a cleaner alternative biogas. The weed blocks boat access, it can have a devastating effect on fishing, and it's even interrupted electrical power for entire cities. They're a real menace, but Dominic sees things
2: differently. We're harvesting this, what everyone considers to be a real menace and a pest, an invasive species, and it has many, many negative connotations to it. But the actual fact is water hyacinth is a blessing in disguise. The
1: machines digest the water hyacinth to create biogas which burns cleaner than charcoal or wood. Two to three kilograms of the water hyacinth reportedly generates enough fuel to power a
2: cooker for four hours. The elderly people who should be retiring are choking themselves to death, which is, you know, it's, it's criminal at this, in, this, in this day and age that we should allow such a thing. When we have very, very, this, this, this is biogas. They should all have biogas. While some free and subsidized machines have been
1: distributed, the price tag is simply too much for most families. But with capital investment, Dominic hopes that scaling production and distribution will allow him and his team to reach more communities.
2: There's thousands of organisations out there that are looking for where can I buy carbon credits, where can I you know, sponsor green movements and what have you. Um, these are the kind of projects we're, we're trying to look for. All we need is the capital investment to invest in the equipment and then the sale of the fertiliser and the sale of the gas pays for the running. Still to come on the Sunday 7, Australia might just be the original home of dragons
1: and the UK sees its first psychedelic assisted therapy clinic open. From head to toe, our skin allows us to touch, feel and interact with the outside world and our fingertips are one of the most sensitive areas of the body. Each fingertip has more than 3000 touch receptors and we rely heavily on sensation in our fingertips for everyday tasks like handling objects. The lack of this sensation presents a unique challenge for the thousands of individuals with upper limb amputations. While there are several high-tech prosthetics available today, they all lack the essential sensation of touch but researchers at Florida Atlantic University might be about to change that.
3: My name is Eric Ingeberg. I'm a professor of ocean and mechanical engineering at Florida Atlantic University. The aim of our study was to reconnect a previously severed sense of touch for upper limb amputees.
1: In a science first, Eric and his team incorporate stretchable tactile sensors by injecting liquid metal into the prosthetic hand. But how does this differ from traditional sensors?
3: Traditional sensors are typically rigid, which makes them unsuitable for human interaction. What we've done is made a highly compliant, stretchable sensor that is suitable for contact with human skin. And we've coupled this with machine learning algorithms to give them a higher level of intelligence in a bio-inspired way.
1: For the study, researchers used individual fingertips on the prosthesis to distinguish between different speeds of a sliding motion along different textured surfaces. The machine learning algorithms were able to distinguish between all the speeds with each finger with very high accuracy.
3: Upper limb amputees have a severed sense of touch, which means that with current prosthetic hand technology, they cannot distinguish between the skin of of a loved one or the skin of an apple. They cannot distinguish between the fur of a pet and the handle of silverware. So the implications of our work is that we can um, reconnect the severed sense of touch and make the prosthetic hand feel much more natural and acceptable to the user. The liquid metal sensor technology is still under development, but it could be available within several years.
1: Much as we loved watching Drogon and the other fire-breathing dragons in Game of Thrones, we're all more or less reconciled to the idea that they're fantasy creatures. But while they probably weren't breathing fire, new research shows that something very similar to them existed in Australia over 150 million years ago. With an estimated 7-metre wingspan, 3-foot-long skull and 40 razor-sharp teeth, this new species of pterosaur discovered in Queensland, Australia is the closest thing scientists have seen to a real-life dragon.
4: This is a very exciting find because the pterosaurs are extremely rare, and not just in Australia, but worldwide.
1: This is PhD candidate Tim Richards from the University of Queensland's Dinosaur Lab. Tim led a research team that analysed a fossil of the creature's jaw. The fossil is believed to come from the largest flying reptile ever uncovered in Australia. So how was it unearthed? It was
4: found uh, 10 years ago by a gentleman called Len Shaw. So Len used to work for Richmond Council and he would be one of the front end loader drivers. On his lunch break, he'd essentially fill up the bucket of the front end loader with water and sort of gently tip it onto a slopey area uh, of the quarry. And one day he did that and lo and behold, some uh, teeth sockets were staring back at him and he knew he was onto something. And um, He called over the curator at the time and um, they excavated it and that's it. That's the story of our pterosaur.
1: The new pterosaur would have been a fearsome beast with a spear-like mouth and a wingspan around 7 metres, Richard said. It would have cast a great shadow over some quivering little dinosaur that wouldn't have heard it until it was too late. They sound truly terrifying. Do you think we'll find any more in the future?
4: There's always more to find. There's always more ground to scratch through. So I think there will be Plenty more pterosaurs to find in the future.
1: Still to come on the Sunday 7. In-person dating is back and it's making people anxious. And the way you drive could indicate whether you have dementia. Right after this. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso. Or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. After over a year of Zoom dates and socially distanced walks in the park, in-person dating is finally back. As the pandemic forced a lot of people into dating downtime but lots more screen time, apparently we spent more time than ever comparing ourselves to others. According to new research by Plenty of Fish, 72% of Brits agreed that they spent more time searching through the beautifully cultivated feeds of influencers and celebrities during lockdown compared to before. As a result, 59% confessed to having felt pressure to conform to digital beauty ideals. When it comes to perfecting their profile, not only mimicking makeup, filters and editing, the most common lengths people go to include staging a photo shoot, buying equipment such as a ring light, and even travelling to insta-worthy holiday locations for the perfect pic. Why do so many of us
5: feel the pressure? The drive to look picture perfect definitely increased during lockdown. Mainly because we all spent a lot of time looking back at ourselves during Zoom calls and maybe found that a bit disconcerting. We've become so familiar with seeing photos have been edited and filtered.
1: Have filters and editing tools changed how we understand ourselves and our
5: image? It tends to set up almost unconsciously the unrealistic expectation that we need to present ourselves in a similar way. We're driven to want to edit our photos by social media platforms like Instagram or Snapchat and TV shows such as Too Hot To Handle, which means we have adjusted to unreal expectations of what we ourselves should look like. Is there a science behind the perfect profile? Keeping it real would be my top tip for an online profile image. Use a variety of photographs but make sure your first image, which is key to those right swipes, sings loudly, clearly and naturally.
1: As the conversation around mental health broadens, so do the treatment options. This autumn, the UK's first psychedelic assisted therapy clinic of its kind plans to open its doors to the public. Awaken Life Sciences plan to transform mental health care with the help of psychedelics.
6: We will be providing psychedelic therapies for people with a wide range of severe mental health problems.
1: This is Dr. Ben Sessa, Awaken's chief medical officer, talking to ITV's Natalie Jawkera.
6: We tend to treat psychiatric problems with maintenance therapy you take an antidepressant every day day in day out for weeks months years decades to mask your symptoms now the way we use psychedelic assisted psychotherapy is very different you take the drug only one two or three times alongside psychotherapy in order to get better and then not need to take daily drugs
1: the initial treatment that's going to be offered when the clinic opens later this year will be ketamine assisted psychotherapy for depression anxiety eating disorder Addiction and PTSD. Whilst ketamine is illegal for recreational use, it is approved for medical use and has been shown to have an antidepressant effect. The patient
6: will enter a nine-week course of ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, um, which involves 11 visits to the clinic. On four of those occasions, they will take ketamine. Um, to um, assisted by their therapist, and the other sessions are non-drug sessions. Although
1: Dr Sessa hopes that one day their services will be available on the NHS, the therapy course will initially be for private patients costing £6,000. However, ketamine isn't the only psychedelic medicine that Awaken plans to offer. Dr Sessa's hopeful that over the next couple of years, MDMA and psilocybin, more commonly known as magic mushrooms, will also be approved for medicinal use. Having spent most of the last two weeks on the roads of the UK, I can tell you it's not just your mum and dad. Everyone's driving changes as they age. Whether it's getting lost, abrupt stops or a few missed turns, there are subtle differences that emerge in our driving as we get older.
7: So aging alone cannot affect our ability to drive. But as we age, we are at higher risk for declines in brain functioning. And these distinct changes could, in fact, affect our driving skills.
1: In a new study from the University of Toronto, researchers are seeing that these patterns of driving can reveal a lot about your health. And for some people, scientists are now saying that they can even be associated with the early stages of Alzheimer's.
7: I'm Saya Bayat. I'm a biomedical engineering PhD candidate at the University of Toronto. I'm interested in using mobile technologies and methods in machine learning and engineering to better explain and predict signs of Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease is a progressive disease that begins with very mild memory loss, but can possibly lead to loss of ability to carry on conversation, or navigate in the environment.
1: So how did you carry out this project?
7: In this project, we looked at about 100 people who are older than 65. And what we did was over a course of a year in 2019, we monitored their driving patterns.
1: And what were your findings from the devices?
7: We found that using machine learning, we can identify very subtle patterns in driving that may be associated with early signs of Alzheimer's disease. I think what's really interesting here is that these signs can happen up to 20 years before clinical diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease.
1: So what are the implications? Could we see widespread use of the
7: devices? I think in the future we're going to see these devices can be installed into our cars to help monitor our brain health and our driving abilities. This way we can make early diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, but we can also design assistive technologies for cars that can support us drive longer and keep the streets and roads safer.
1: This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.